0: Hi and welcome to our latest One Church Podcast. Our vision is to encourage, equip and empower you to discover a life-changing relationship with God. We hope this message will inspire you to discover your full potential. Thanks for listening. What a beautiful day it is, isn't it? Gorgeous. Superb. I was getting ready for this morning and a wee thought kind of entered my head, you should put some shorts on, mate. And then the, the, the counter thought was, you're the preacher, you can't even wear shorts. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that's like an overly traditional upbringing. I think you're the preacher, can't even wear shorts. And then I come to church and I see all the guys, you know, the guys with proper spiritual stature, we're talking the Richards and the Andes and the Lewis's, they've all got shorts on, you know. So I, I think I called that one wrong. So next time I'm speaking and it's a nice day, shorts are on, right, okay? But it's good to see you all. Um, we're going to go on to the Bible at Luke 10. If you've got it with you, um, you can, if you've got your Bibles with you, you can look it up there if it's on your phone. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, and Daniel's going to put it up on the screen as well. But let's, let's read it. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I don't know if you have an image in your head of what that scene was like. Some of you who have been to church for a wee while or have been brought up in a Christian home, maybe, you've, you've heard this story before. It's it's one of the classic Bible stories. But I don't know what it, what it looks like in your head. You know, um, some of us have been brought up maybe in a very kind of traditional church background, and we have an image of what that looks like. We've maybe seen religious art. You know, if you've been brought up, like I said, in a traditional church, you'll have seen maybe kind of... Art from the eighteenth, nineteenth, seventeenth, fifteenth centuries—you know—you'll be familiar with these sort of depictions of that sort of scene. I, 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 I typed into um, Google um, at the House of Mary and Martha, and I got an image up. And there, there, there you go. There's an image of that. That's, that's now. I need to check my notes here. That is by Bruegels and Rubens. You know, proper Renaissance art. You didn't expect to come to um, church in Co- Coat Bridge and get Renaissance art flung at you, but there you go. Um, and that's an image of the story that we just read. Now, I think for you know, at the time, I don't know that it was 16th century that was painted. That's probably a, a, a nice depiction. People could relate to that. But now I look at that and I just see distance because I, that, those are people that I don't necessarily recognise. It's everyone's kind of got slightly odd looks on their faces and. You know, the, the clothes are, are, are very different to what we, we had today and the kind of oddly stage, you know, it kind of puts a distance between us. And, and something I noticed, I don't know if you can see, there's a monkey there. Can you see the monkey right at the front there? There's a wee monkey. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I'm no expert in, in biblical history or anything like that, but I'm fairly sure there wasn't a monkey. That monkey's, I don't, I don't know what it's doing, it's, you, you probably can't see this, but it's actually got a, a ball of twine tied to it, and it looks like it's eating some tangerines. I, I'm fairly convinced that was not there at the time. There was no monkey eating tangerines in the house of, of Mary and Martha. But you know what, that's an image, you know, kind of the religious art image, and sometimes, sometimes it might be helpful to us. You know, I, I'm no art expert, but sometimes I, I think it to, takes... Um, that story and puts a barrier between us because we, we can't envisage it properly. What, what this was, was Jesus hanging out with his friends. He was round at a friend's house for something to eat. Jesus was pretty close to Mary and Martha. You'll see that later in the Bible. He actually goes round when their brother dies to comfort them and to, well, more than that. He, um, if you read that story, you'll see that there's something miraculous on the go there. But Jesus was was close to these people. He cared about them a lot. and And it might help us to imagine to get a grip on this story, to imagine what that would be like um, to be there. You know, I don't think it was like that kind of slightly odd 16th century um, picture that we just looked at. But if it happened today, what would it be like? Remember, what the Bible is recording is the ordinary life of an extraordinary man. So I, I know the real, life would, the real life, event when it actually happened, would be different. But if we imagine what it would be like today, then maybe that helps us get inside the story and understand what it was like. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to kind of rewrite the Bible here. I'm just helping, trying to help bring it closer for us to understand it. So if, if, imagine if you or I were the hosts of this event. I think we would just be like Martha. You know, you've got Jesus and at least 12 other people in your house. That's a lot of people to cater for. You know, I, I remember at Christmas... We were, um, Christmas dinner was at our house this year, and um, Diane was going to do it. Diane Ma was going to do it, and she didn't feel that well, she was unwell, so I had to step into the breach. Um, and, and I had my dad as a helper, and I had only five people to cater for, but that was a big ask for me. I was I was shaking, and I did it, and at the end, I felt like a cooking legend. <laughs> Absolutely. you know and, and you, there's some Christmas dinner veterans sitting in the um, congregation thinking, five people, that's nothing. Um, but, you know, I felt like a total superhero after successfully cooking Christmas dinner for five people. But imagine you had a dozen people turn up at your house. And I don't know if this was prearranged or they just turned up, the Bible doesn't tell us. But I'm guessing, here's my read on it, we're at the stage before the main meals happened. Now, if this, again, if this happened today, this is the stage at which you're going around and making sure everyone's got a cup of tea and a biscuit because that's the, the, the very entry-level bit of British hospitality, isn't it? Everyone gets a cup of tea and a biscuit. So Martha, at this stage, if this had been today, she'd been going round and making sure that everyone has a cup of tea, everyone's got a brew. I, I imagine Jesus sitting in the corner with a, with a, cup, a mug of tea and a Kit Kat. He's, he's, he's the Lord's perfect righteousness. Judas is in the corner and he's got some sort of fancy caramel macchiato that he's got from Starbucks that he's bought and he's not bought anyone for any, anyone else. That's just his... Um, so everyone's sitting down, and it's the the cup of tea stage, and and the chat is going, and Jesus is talking about the things of God, and Mary's there, and she's sitting in a beanbag in the middle of the room, just surrounded by everyone. And the, the, the Jesus is just, you know, what would it be like to be in that room with him? The chat he was giving, the, the wisdom he was sharing, you know, it must have been electric, um, and she's just drinking it in and loving it. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, here's here's my imagination. Martha's in a panic. Yeah. She's got a dozen people to feed, and if a brief look through the kitchen reveals that all she has is three packets of cheesy pasta, two carrots and a leek, and she doesn't know what she's going to do. You know, she's just, panicking. She's going to need some help, and where on earth is that sister of hers? So she goes through to the living room where everyone's on various sofas and the emergency chairs that Martha's had to take out of the cupboard, and she says to Jesus, "'Oh, Jesus!' and she points at Mary get her tell I'm making dinner here on my own and you might expect Jesus at this point to say because it does seem unfair that Mary's, Martha's doing this on her own, you might expect Jesus to leap in on Martha's side in this and say, because it does seem wrong doesn't it I, I know that hospitality is something that's really important for, for Jesus and really important for God, you, you'll read elsewhere in the Bible Jesus visits someone's house and he pulls that person up, the host of the, the house, for not giving him water to wash his feet. That was one of the basic hospitable things that you did at that time. It, it was the equivalent of the cup of tea and a biscuit. Yeah? But here in this story, instead of supporting Martha and telling Mary to get a move on, he goes straight to the heart of the mar- matter with Martha. And that's something you see Jesus doing again and again. He just ignores the surface question and goes deep. It's like he sees deeper. What's going on with Martha? He sees what's beyond the words, and he's, he's got the courage to go there. I think very few people have that skill. I'm not sure I have it. To be able to see what's lying behind what people are saying, and having the courage to go there, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leap on that. I'm going to go there, and he does that with him. You see, in fact, you see it in Jesus' life. Tons of times, a rich young ruler comes to him with a question, and he knows what's behind that question, and he, he goes right deep there. That's who he is. He's willing to go right to the heart of the martyr, right to our hearts. And and here's what Jesus says. We read it a minute ago. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Look at what he says to Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. Getting straight to the point, not agreeing with her that Mary needs to get a move on. Who here's worried and upset about many things? You don't need to put up your hands. I'm willing to bet most of us are worried and upset about something. Now, that's not to say that there's not lots of people that are living in the glory of God, that God's blessing is on, that are having, you know, real victory in their lives. But for most of us, even if that's the case, we're worried and upset about some things as well, aren't we? We're worried and upset about some things. A friend of mine used to talk about worry horses. Worry horses. This is the idea that in our lives we all have like a pack of worries running like it's a race, like at Hamilton Racecourse, you know, a a field of horses, each of them, bearing one of our worries. And sometimes one of them drops out and is replaced by another one. And some of them, one completes the race and that's it done. And sometimes there's one and it's it's the leader. It's out ahead. It is the chief worry horse. And we can't take our eyes off that one. I, I bet a lot of us have worry horses running at the time. And the deal is that most of us have to deal with anxiety. You know, anxiety is often kind of thought of as a modern disease. I'm not so sure. Jesus wouldn't have to deal with the fact that Martha was worried and upset about lots of things. If anxiety it was a modern disease, Jesus addresses it right here, and he has to he has to kind of confront Martha about it. i mean, I'm sure he did this with a smile on his face. He knew Martha and Mary well. I'm sure um, he did this. Um, in a very gracious way, but you had to challenge her with the fact that she was anxious, and not only that she was anxious, but she was probably anxious and didn't need to be. And I don't know how you cope with anxiety. I mean, it depends on your circumstances, I guess, and it depends how severe your anxiousness is. Sometimes I get anxious, and because I'm a super introvert, I just want to kind of curl up in my house and not see anyone for a while. The, the, the other thing I do, and I don't know if this is what you do, is... If I'm getting anxious, if I'm getting stressed, I try to tackle my anxiety by working at it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's flaws to that a wee bit as well. I'm I'm a bit of a fan of to-do lists, you know, getting things done. On a Thursday, I've got the the privilege of working from home, and one of the first things I do on a Thursday is I I wake up and I I get my to-do list. Anyone else here like to-do lists, yeah? Gail Mossy, I'm looking at you. You like to be organised. But you've got lots of to-do lists, even if they're just up here. My son... Not so much a fan of to-do lists. Is that right, Daniel? No, yeah, he's, he's nodding at me. You know, everyone's got their own thing. But to-do lists. And, and what we do is we put all our concerns and all our things we have to do on our to-do list. Martha had a pile of things that she was worried about. Not just one, Jesus says, but many. She had a to-do list with lots of things on it. Probably right at the top. How am I going to feed all these people? A pile of concerns a pile of worry horses, a list that she thought was perhaps going to sort it. And here we come really to the point of what we're talking about today. All these things that she was worried about, all these things on her list, what was Jesus' attitude to them? What did Jesus actually say? Did he say, Martha, well done for being so concerned about our comfort, I really appreciate it. Or did he say, Martha, I can see you're really well organised, no one here is putting as much effort and as you, great job. Did he say, Martha, you more than anything, anyone are putting in the sort of effort that I require from my followers. You know that what I value above anything is hard work. Good job. No. He didn't say any of that. He said, Martha, you're worried about many things when you really only need to do one thing. Martha, your to-do list needs to have only one thing on it. One thing. Mary gets it, and I'm not going to tell her off because she is right. She's right. The first thing you need, the answer to your anxiety, is to spend time with me. Kenny got it spot on a few weeks ago. He was talking about first responders. He was kind of preaching this message already. I was so pleased. Our first response in any circumstance should be to go to him. Martha was distracted and worried and distracted from the very thing that was actually the answer to our worries. You know, we talk, I talk about coming to Jesus with our problems, about putting Him first, but how often is He actually, in truth, pretty far down the list? How often do we secretly believe that the answer to our problems is to work harder and worry a wee bit more? Anyone do that? I do that. I mean, please don't don't misunderstand me. I don't want you to get the wrong end of the stick. I'm not talking about being lazy. There's always work to do. I'm not saying that we should be lazy or work shy. There will always be tasks to do. There will always be work, and God's got work for you. God is not telling you not to lift a finger. I'm saying that in the world of things to do, places to be, stress to manage, a relationship with God should be the first thing on our to-do list. It's the first thing we attend to, just like Mary and not like Martha sitting with Jesus was way down on Martha's to-do list. She might get there eventually, but she was not prioritizing that, and it should have been right at the top. Mary knew, in fact, that being with Jesus was more critical than making sure everyone had a biscuit. And Jesus knew that Martha needed to understand that. Listen to this. This is Jesus preaching in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry, says Jesus. God knows you need stuff in your life. You know, he's not unconcerned. That's what that scripture says. He he knows you need finances. You know, stuff to do, a roof over your head, health and your wains need to be all right. He knows all that. But he needs to be above all of that. In a world of things, the big secret to being content is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I mean, how often really is God our first thought? How often do we come to him late and last you know, we spend our time organizing, planning, plotting, grafting, and if we've time and energy, we kind of bung God on the top. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. You know, it's like, it's like my life's like baking a cake you know, so I'm painstakingly putting down layers of sponge and icing and, you know, sugar and stuff. There's, there's my job and there's that car and there's this holiday and here's my mates and here's the volunteering stuff I do for the church. And, and I'm assembling it all. And if it, once it's all set and looking good, I, I kind of reach out and I plop God as a wee decoration on the top, you know, just to make it look fancy, you know, at the end and that's, that's the wrong way round. That's the wrong way round. He shouldn't be an afterthought. God's the foundation on which everything else is built, not the other way around. He's not decorations for the top. A relationship with God never flourishes as an afterthought. A relationship with God never flourishes as an afterthought. God should be our first thought, our first love, our first priority. And I've been trying to get better at this and I've been trying to prioritise time in prayer and I'd love to tell you that it's really easy and I'm really, really good at it and I'm not. I mean, I was, I was so tempted just to kind of exaggerate a bit. You know, I'm, I'm preaching, you know, and it's, it's the preacher's disease. You want to come across as the expert. You want to come across, I've got it all together, guys. I'm there. And I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I'm, I'm possibly better than I used to be. The, the truth is that I am better at prioritising time with him. I'm, I'm making inroads, but... Still, sometimes my first thought is not him. My first thought is my work. My first thought is all the worry horses I've got. My first thought is my phone. Sometimes, sometimes God's way too far down my list of priorities, if I'm honest. But when I, and when I do put him first, it clicks. You know, it's one of the great paradoxes of living with God, is that often the best way to get things do, done is just to stop, to stop for a moment. Remember what Jesus said, one thing is needed, one thing being within. And even in prayer, do you know? Here's, here's something else I've discovered, even in prayer it's hard to do that because I've got, and you have, we've got about 20 different things and people we need to pray for and we need to remember to get them all in. And sometimes our prayer times can just be a to-do list, it's like that and that. And please hear me again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, I'm not saying we shouldn't have a list, we shouldn't try and remember people and not forget and be diligent, absolutely. But there's a moment where we just need to stop and be with him. It's just time with him. Just time with God. Just leave our worry horses and just be. Prayer can't be another expression of our to-do list. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How often do we rest with him? Just rest. Some of us have forgotten how to rest. Some of us have forgotten how rest can be found in God. And this sort of rest is not tapping out. It's not being lazy or shirking responsibilities. It's just getting the order right. Rest with God, first God, then everything else. All these things will be added to you, said Jesus, if you seek his kingdom first. But if you don't seek him first, you know what, all these other things, they may crush you. If you want to know how to be less anxious and less stressed, Seek him first. If you want to know how to stop constantly running over your troubles in your head, then seek him first. If you want to flourish and grow and find a life that has contentment and purpose, then seek him first. Seek him first. Because like Martha, so many of us have our arms full of so many things. Things that stress us, things that stre- threaten to overwhelm us. And it can be so hard to take our eyes off them. You know, when someone says, when God says, don't worry, that can be hard. Don't worry. Get worried about that. If someone said to you, don't think of an elephant, what's the first thing that goes in your head? Yeah. Now, if there's a T Rex in front of you and someone said, don't think of an elephant, it'd be okay because you'd be concentrating on the big meat eating dinosaur right in front of you. You wouldn't be thinking about an elephant. The point of that is if we've got something else to focus our, our thoughts on. Something else to take our our mind off our worries. If our first thoughts are on him and not them, then we'll succeed. This is how we're designed to work. The human machine does not function without God in the driving seat. And we're all nervous passengers looking to get back control of the steering wheel and drive our own car, aren't we? We're going to finish soon. And and, and Andy, if if you're available, we could maybe just sing one more song before we close. But, but why don't we take a moment to think about what all of this just means for us? You know, like, like Martha, are we are we worried and distracted about lots of things? I bet we are. Just take a moment. What, what things might those be? What things have you gathered up in your arms that you're holding on to really, really tightly and you need to lay them down? You know, we, we live in a world of things, a world of distraction what would it mean if we left all those things on the ground and settled, not in many things, but one thing? Because according to Jesus, that's all we need. One thing, not many things. One thing, one thing, just him. What would it mean for you right here now to make him the centre of everything? How, how would your time look different? How would your everyday life look different? What would it be to find a space to be alone and rest with him. And please hear me, I'm not requiring you to pencil into your diary a two-hour, year prayer time. Some people do that, fair play to them. I've been at this long enough to know that, that what it looks like for everyone might be slightly different. But somehow, some way, somewhere, time to be with him, to put him first, is required. And perhaps sitting with God is not a part of your life because you've never even considered that God can or should be a part of your life. Perhaps this is entirely new to you. Perhaps only for today have you even remotely considered following God and making space for him in your day-to-day. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to make that choice today, to give your life to God. And we're going to give you a chance to pray and set a seal on that in a minute. But, But as we close this morning... Amongst all the things that life has to offer, there is one thing that should be above all of them. A time with God, a moment with God, one thing that puts all the other things into their proper place. It's the one thing that makes the other things work. One thing is required, only one thing. So let's set our minds and our will on that one thing. And if we do, our lives will flourish and be full of purpose and meaning and blessing. We're going to take time to pray and the first thing I want to do is to just pray for those people. If everyone just kind of closes their eyes, just focuses on God. The first thing I want to do is give an opportunity for those that, you know, this is new to them. And in this moment they think, yeah, I I, I want to follow Jesus. I've not been following him. I'm... New to this, but it sounds like something I could do. So I'm going to pray a wee prayer, just in a wee second, and you can pray that in your heart. And if you pray that prayer, and this is the first time you've prayed this, and you mean it and you know what you're doing because this is this is giving your life to Jesus. This is not no small thing, but it's the best thing you can do. So if you pray this prayer for the first time, come and see me afterwards, because i love to pray with you and just set a seal on it together. And we'll, we've got a wee gift for you as well. So let's let's just pray for those of us that want to come to Jesus for the first time just in your heart guys just pray this Lord Jesus I come to you and I give you my life I'm sorry for all the sins I've done for all the bad stuff I'm going to turn and be better and turn to you I give my life to you now and forever so if you did pray that and you meant it come and speak to me afterwards but for everyone else I'm guessing there's a lot of people here who settled that particular issue a long time ago but all of us we, we we become unfocused we we look for the other things not the one thing that matters let's just take a wee moment like I said ask those questions what what would it be like if, if my priorities were reordered what would my Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday look like if the top of my to do list had Jesus on it? Let's pray about that now. Lord Jesus, let me not be distracted. Let me not be turned to things that don't matter. Let me have my focus on you. Let me, you be my first, best thought in every day, Lord. let me find you and give you the place that you deserve at the top of my list, Lord. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all the times that I have put something else there, that I've put things ahead of you, things that don't matter, and I, I'm sorry if I cared more about them than I cared about you. Lord Jesus, I lay them all down right now. I open my hands and let them clatter to the floor. Because today, I put you first in my heart, Lord, first in my life, first in my waking, first in my sleeping. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and kindness, Lord. I pray you will be with me every day. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen in. We pray this message has been an encouragement wherever it finds you. If you have found it helpful, why not share it with someone or leave a comment? To find out more and stay connected, you can follow us at One Church Scotland through our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Take care and have a great week.